Hello and welcome back to Prime Your Day, Prime Your Life, and particularly around midlife. Today we're going to talk to Neil Thrussell. He is a coach in Canada, and we are collaborating on a project talking about chasing success. It's a book that Neil has in progress and he's interviewing people around the world to talk about their perspectives on success. Enjoy the show and catch up soon for more on the midlife journey. Welcome, my name is Neil Thrussell, and I'm really excited to bring Chris Wilson on to the presentation today. And Chris works with men to get them out of the messy middle. That's like the messy middle around the waist or the messy midlife part. <laughs> Whichever you wish, I'll help you get there. Whichever you okay. wish. And I love your mantra. One life, love life, and living life. I, I, I really love that. And to me, as a simple segue, if you're living that mantra, you cannot help but add success into your life. So job well done. I love it. Well, we need to be conscious of the fact that, uh, unfortunately, we are only one living organism and we have a start and we have an end. And what happens in the, between the start and the, and the end is up to us. But, you know, you know it's, there's, there's no second ticket on this one. It's a, it's a one-time show. Absolutely. So I like to start off, I'll jump in. So the younger version of Chris, you know, right out of school, whether you was uni or high school or where, what was your version in the young, naive, take over the world Chris's version of success? Well, that's a great question. At school, I was not really particularly the sharpest tack in the box. You, you know, from a, a study perspective, I, I really enjoyed, we had a cadet force at school and I really enjoyed the adventure part of that. And I leaned into that massively. And then that actually took me from there into a scholarship with the Catering Corps. And I wanted to go and get my commission as, a, as an officer in the army. And I went for Sandhurst, which is the sort of echelon of brilliance of a, uh, commission in the UK and they said I'm very sorry Chris you're not ready either you're not ready to be conforming or you're not a conformist in terms of the military uh, education and I think actually it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I soon realized that I, I wasn't really willing to always go with the flow I was my own spirit and perhaps lining up in ranks and doing things at a certain time to a certain order I maybe wasn't the right part of that mechanism. So that was the, the younger me. Sweet. So what you're saying is that society, your hometown, your, your the British society had this, what all young boys should look like, feel like, do and do. And you were already breaking that mold that you couldn't or didn't want to fall into. Well, it was just one path. I think actually yep. my path was more grammar school, education, university, degree, and then go into perhaps some kind of profession. And I just didn't get the mechanism of why I needed to study until I then went to my hospitality university. And then I understood that studying well with a vocational 
outcome could make me a really good hotel manager. And that's when I really found my purpose, which was that studying hard, hotels, and then when people are in hotels, we give them exemplary customer service, and then they come back and we have repeat, repeat. And as a person, I got real joy out of seeing people in a hotel environment and sprinkling a little bit of fairy dust on their experience to make it unique for them. Wonderful. So do you think purpose, when you use the word purpose, do you think purpose helps a person become successful? Well, success has many different forms. And I know looking at your VT, one of your successful moments is finishing the marathon at four hours 56. Whereas if you said Kipchoge, who's the, you know, the world record holder at marathon, he would think four minutes, four hours 56 is an absolute disaster. So success to two different people can mean two different things. And therefore, purpose could drive somebody's success. But other people could be driven by money or wealth or health or happiness or relationships or parenthood or societal norms of or, or even environmental issues. So I, I think success can be many different things to many different people. But I think purpose underneath all of that is resonating more, particularly as I think you go from perhaps younger to middle and middle to old, then you become a lot more clear about what your purpose is and what do they say with clarity becomes change so then maybe i'll rephrase the question do you think a person that is successful in any realm has an understand are they just flying by the seat of the pants completely or have they got a, a grander vision a plan a goal well, I think as humans, we never really rest, do we? We're a constantly evolving species. And I was curiously taken by the title of your book on the basis that the two words are almost contradictory to each other and that it's chasing success, which almost gives the feeling that success is always something that we get to and then we move the needle forward. And I often see in big events where you've just won the World Cup or you've just won the Tennis Grand Slam or you've just finished a marathon. And the first thing the broadcaster says to you is, so what's next? And I think as a, as a humanity, we don't rest enough and reflect on the achievements of what we've done and the journey we've been on. And then we sit back and say, is this success? Am I happy? Is this what I wanted? If not, why not? And what does the next piece of success mean? And why am I now chasing that particular motivation? I hear you. And because uh, I ran, I've run three marathons and my last one, I had health issues. And so my time was, for me, was not a personal best. It was horrific, but I completed it. So I had to take, I no, I was so proud of myself were completing it and I had I crossed the line and I'm like <gasps> and my sister who finished ahead of me the dirty rat she goes so we're gonna run one next year <laughs> and I hear because it did take a little wind out of my sail because I didn't have a chance to fully feel into the accomplishment and I and as you alluded to that we as society don't spend enough time reflecting and 
honoring our successes. Yeah, because it, it, most things that are successful have come with an inordinate amount of successful struggle. And we only see the moment of celebration or the moment of joy where success is now clear. But actually, it's the dark nights of training. It's getting out of bed when you don't want to. It's pushing through on the rain. It's going through when you've got a little bit of a niggling injury. That is what defines us to be successful, not always the moment that we put the flag in the North Pole or sometimes we strive for success and yet we get knocked down. But there's a calling to say, no, Neil, you did say you were going to do a marathon and therefore that is something you're going to go ahead and achieve. And I think I heard Kevin saying there are so many people who start and don't finish. And what's the phrase? You know, quitters, quitters don't, uh, what's the, winners never quit and quitters never win. So, you know, we're not, we've got to be really nailed into something that is fulfilling what calls us to be successful. And yeah, and so what do you think is that, that, that uh, I just had to put my cat down, that uh, he just jumped on my lap. What do you think is that secret sauce that draws people to continue when mere mortals may finish, you know, stop, where it's easier to stay on the couch, but I'm choosing not to? What do you think that is that draws people to get off the couch? Well, there are many answers to that. And I use a metaphor sometimes of what I call the first mountain and the second mountain of life. And the first mountain is the one that perhaps the one where I was on, where we we almost go as a guiding principle of what our, our, our mentors or our teachers or our parents have said. And you climb the first mountain and you strive for wealth or you strive for uh, promotion. And then you get to the top and you think, well, was that what I wanted? Or somebody cuts your rope and you have, you know, you literally fall off the mountain and then you're in the valley and you're fighting with the serpents and the, you know, the demons and the dark and the tarantulas and the, uh, the leaves. And then you look up again to the second mountain and go, this climb's going to be different. I'm climbing this mountain for a different purpose. This mountain is the one that I want for my climb yep. and that can be sometimes community it could be uh, about health it could be about relationship and I think the second mountain sometimes in life is the one that gives us more meaning because we've learned all the footsteps and the and the falls and the trips and the slips of the first mountain uh, and therefore the second mountain becomes perhaps tougher but an inordinately huge, much more sense of achievement when we get there. It's fun that you, and very meaningful to me that you chose the mountain. Years ago, I took my all my nephews and brother-in-laws on a mountain biking trip. I never told them. I said, this is going to test you and tax you. And we went up the mountain and it was long and grueling. And then we rode down. And then only to be faced with an even bigger face that we needed to go to. And our family still had this, it's called the mountain bike ride from hell. And 
we get the family gets together and it is still legends are still born from it and so much pride is that they didn't quit and i think it's human nature that when we we need to take pride and as we alluded to in the beginning to celebrate our accomplishments indeed and i know i did uh, an iron man in nice and that has many different climbs and i can remember forgetting the topography of the map and i thought that my last downhill was it and i i turned the corner and I, it was 37 degrees really hot and i've been cycling now for about five hours and i just looked up at this massive road and this never-ending trail of cyclists just grinding the gears and i there was every little piece of my head was saying stop pick up the bus, you can be in the Mediterranean in an hour, sipping a cold beer. But I said to myself, I've been training for this for six months. I have to push past that head voice and just basically tell it to do one. And I had a mantra of Nelson Mandela's um, poem that he described, which is Invictus. And I just started grinding out out of the night that covered me, black as the pit from pole to pole. And I just ground out this poem for the next hour, crank after crank, pedal after pedal, and until I got to the top. And it's sometimes adversity. You then draw on that. The next time I was thinking, stop. My little head said, remember the last time you were in this moment? You fought on for an hour. And you did that. And then as a result of that, you crossed the finish line of the Ironman. And I think sometimes it's those moments of truth where you have to look in your soul and say, can you do this? And your soul comes back and says, yes, you can. And that for me is, uh, is what humanity is about in that we are, we're so much bigger than the sum of our parts. And we are also so ready to stop based on the voice that asks us to stop. I have my own story on that, but we don't have time. A similar thing. So what do you think? Because that's what you've said is, I think, the defining moment for success. Because you could have quit. But you went, you chose not to. And so many people in the, in the world have a defining moment. And what do you think pushes them to give up or to succeed? What do you think of where, where they are in, in, in that moment? Is it just despair and overwhelm? Or is it having a, a more self-confidence in themselves, a bigger goal? What do you think moves them from side to side? And without, yeah. You, so what do you think? Again, Neil, I think there's lots of different ways that you could take that. Sometimes it's an individual purpose and you're, you're proving something to somebody in your past when they said that you couldn't do it and you're showing them that you could. Or it's just an accountability to the fact that you've told people this is going to happen. For me on my Ironman, it was actually coming up to my 50th birthday. And my father was in a very, very poor state of health uh, going through pancreatic cancer, which sadly he lost that battle. And I knew he was at home watching my little blue dot tracker and I knew that every time that that blue dot stopped, he would think, hang on a minute, has he stopped? Is he okay? And I had to keep pushing that blue dot. No matter how slow it went, 
I knew that he was sitting at home in his bed, urging me on. And that for me was what took me beyond pain, beyond suffering, just thinking, I have to show him I'm moving forward. I don't care how long, how slow, but I don't want him to worry because he's got enough crap on his plate right now without thinking, is his son going to bail out of the Ironman or not? Uh, absolutely. So, yeah. So we're all, and we're all at some point, whatever it is, we're faced with choices. And, and I would encourage you when you're faced with adversary, turn into the wind and face it head on, as opposed to retreating, because you will never regret completing something, but you will, you possibly will regret not completing something. Without a doubt, Neil. And also, we shouldn't really hold ourselves accountable to the judgments of others. Because the fact that you, Neil, did a marathon in four hours 56, some may say that that's not a particularly quick time. They had no idea what you were doing at that moment to pull yourself across the line at four hours 56. And probably 96% of the people who may be dissing you haven't even run 5K, let alone 42. And therefore, be proud of whoever you are, whatever you are, if you're doing something better today than you did tomorrow, then you're moving forward. You don't have to be the next Neil Armstrong. You don't have to be the next Roger Bannister, but just be a better version today than you were yesterday. Abs absolutely. I think there's the, the saying to improve by 1%. Well, even 0.01%. If you read Atomic Habits, he says if you just do 0.01% every day, at the end of the year, you'll be 37 times better than you would have been at the start of the year. But if you decrease by 0.01%, oh, wow, you, you are so far behind where you started. So just those incremental little things, and I talk about those as fundamental basics. Every day, what are the things that are going to needle move the needle forward? You know, I have my chart. It sits here next to me every day. Those are my things that I say to myself, no matter what happens, by the end of the week, these are the things that matter. And they're around my fitness, around my work, around my relationships, around my self-discovery. And I've said to myself, do those things. And as long as you're doing those, you can feel confident that the needle's going to move. Absolutely. And what the, the, the sub part in there is it sounds like you have a plan. Yeah, I'm pretty... I'm, I'm a bit fastidious on, on plans and routine and, and just having small little systems, lots of little systems that all account to a bigger picture. But I, there are things on relationship, on health, on wealth, on time, on self-discovery. And I kind of put them in a bit of a pot and, and then assess every 90 days, which was the bit that I'm missing out on. Okay, I've maybe not been as good with my relationships as I should be. What can I do in the next 90 days that's going to move that out from a low performing to now be high performing? And I might share that with my partner and say, by the way, I think in the last 90 days, I haven't quite been the person that I could be. What I'm going to do is, 
And when you share that contract with somebody else, it, it gives you a, a higher layer of accountability not to stay in bed or not to go on Netflix or not to be listening in a, in a conversation. Absolutely. And I can't believe where our time is up. Is, uh, Chris, is there something that you would like to leave our viewers and our listeners with before we exit? Well, my website is mid-life.men and there's a lot of resources on there. And if you want to just sign up for my email, I send out a Friday five fundamentals, five tips around our five fundamentals of sleep, um, mindfulness, exercise, nutrition, and relationships. It's the men's R. So five tips every week on those five fundamentals. Do those five fundamentals, and I assure you, you will have a good life because we only have one life, so love life, living life. Thank you very much, Chris, for, for, for joining me. And I truly appreciate it. And appreciate you for the opportunity and good luck for your resilience for the rest of the day, Neil. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. So that's it. That's this week's offering on the Midlife Men's Mindset podcast. Just to clarify, uh, Neil there, when I said the resilience for the rest of the day, he was actually completing a sponsored series of many, many chats. I think in that day, he finished 16 and then the next day he was going on to do another 20 so they were back-to-back 20-minute sessions all with the aim of getting lots of different perspectives on his book Chasing Success. Thank you so much for tuning in please rate or review the podcast give it a like give it a share and that way we can grow this message to meet more people. Remember we only have one life so love life living life.